Today's episode of RPG Pop Club is brought to you by the generous support of our producer, Just a Guy. Thank you for your support. Dear listeners, if you too are enjoying RPG Pop Club, please consider supporting us on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash rpgpopclub. And now, on with the show. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. Yeah! Hi, I'm Philip Sokoloff. And I'm Sarah Nicole Carter. And this is RPG Pop Club. Each week we play a Star Trek tabletop RPG adventure. And then we review it. Today we are playing Hazards of Space Part 2. And we are joined by one of our players, Ava Skolton, who plays Lieutenant Ingrid Jensen. Good to have you with us, Ava. How are you doing? Good to be here. I'm doing well. Always glad to be on the podcast. Fantastic. Well, guys, we all watched the episode, The Immunity Syndrome. Um, I have to say, it's one of those episodes where it's like, it's got a memorable premise, right? There's a, a, cle- a Vulcan ship that gets destroyed, and then they're like, what, what, what was that that did that? And it was a giant space amoeba. And they're all like, oh, crap. Um, and there's a lot of fun stuff that happens along the way, but it's just for some reason um, is not a very memorable episode to me. I just I keep forgetting all the stuff that happens in the episode. Do you guys have the same experience? Yeah, I just had to Google it. I forgot what happened already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, I, now I remember now that I'm now that I Google it. There's some like Spock and McCoy um competition or argumentation throughout flirtation what nothing (laughs) they're they like they're arguing over who has to go in the shuttle and sacrifice themselves to study the creature and like spock wins and it's just like well duh spock always wins (laughs) and he's like yeah because i can survive it because i'm just i'm different than everybody else that's pretty much all that happens but he has kind of like this moment, which is, this is before Star Wars and Obi-Wan sitting down and being like, I felt a great disturbance in the force. And it's the exact same thing where Spock can sense that all the Vulcans, you know, died and that they oh, had no comprehension yeah. of why they died. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Where, yeah, that is kind of a fun thing. I didn't even think about that connection or that what, random connection. Well, we chose that episode because, um, so uh, Tapru has, has made the rank of Lieutenant Commander. Hell yeah. And so she's now um, been offered command of her own vessel. And it's the Saladin, which is the, the class ship of the, the Saladin class destroyers. So it's a bit of a step up from, um, the Hermes class scout. And we thought, well, what better way to kick this off than to have another Hazards of Space adventure just to give everyone a feel of just that that background, you know, uh, sense of we're out in space exploring and what is everyone what is everyone's role on the ship? Because that was so great for us last time. So this is not a module again. Um, 
last time we said this is not a module we're just kind of uh playing with the game mechanics and seeing what it's like um of course i did use a um a book which which sort of detailed uh, an area of space it's called the lucani drift so i want to kind of talk about that real quick again we're not really going to be reviewing this yet because it's it's a whole campaign we're only two sessions into it it was written by paul kidd and published by basically by his own um, publishing house in 2016 for these starships and spacemen rules which are from 1978 got basically revived um, and yeah uh, let's let's go ahead and recap it I guess and then and then talk about it how does that sound to you guys sounds good well here's our first segment the commander's log Commander's log, stardate 7328.0. We have departed Deep Space Station K-8. Before us, to the north, east, and west lies the Lucani Drift. For us, an unexplored region of space. Our mission is simple. To travel to as many stars as possible and record information about them and their planets. On a personal note, I have taken command of the Saladin, and I am absolutely enthralled by my new position. Commander McDonald is with us to witness and mentor on my maiden voyage as commander, and I look forward to his guidance, and will miss him if he chooses to stay commanding the Cody. So right off the bat, we've established, you heard in, in Dupree's Commander's Law, this neat little subplot about whether Commander McDonald is going to stay aboard the Cody, or if he's going to end up coming along on the Saladin. It's the sort of thing that you might see, I think, in a Star Trek episode. I basically told the players that, you know, it'd be neat if, if someone wanted to stay behind on the Cody, just to kind of um, give them an opportunity to make new characters and, and maybe sort of build out the universe a bit by populating it with people that we know. So you will get to find out at the end of this whether McDonald joins, sticks around with the crew or whether he sort of spins off no spoilers. You have to listen to the whole episode to find out. <laughs> and the other people who aren't here just, you know, they weren't here for the game. I think we had a, a kind of a small group that, that this night. It was kind of fun, though, to do I'm, it that way. And it makes sense when we're doing a just space exploration kind of thing. But it yeah. was super fun! Yay! Yay. Should, we, should we listen to the recap? Fuck yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Bill, do we have a day, do we have a limit on how many days we can be out here this time? Let's keep it to 12. How many systems you can explore in 12 days? The blueprints um, for Cody are also the blueprints for Saladin. In fact, they're mainly for Saladin. And they, they explain the different... Um... Now with torpedoes. Yes, you have photon torpedoes. Yes. Well, listen, we have way more um, energy than before. Um, we just have to watch how fast we're going to get to these planets, right? I mean, we've got to keep a speed, but that really eats our, really will eat through our power. So, so what do you recommend? You know, I mean, 
Look, it's your decision. It's just the faster we go, the less we have to deal with for combat. I say let's go five. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Okay, I just want to consistently reserve enough power to transport them back and to engage in combat. I trust your judgment, yeah. Android Roku Solano. That's right. Everyone, though, um, wasn't my head that was cut off. Like, here, yeah. mm -mm. I became a sex robot. <laughs> Did you hear that? Phil, that's canon. All right, since you have all these Android parts, you have a bunch of enhancements, but there has to be some sort of malfunction, some sort of a downside. We'll see, here's the Go. D6. The six, no. I got a one. Oh man, my strength, guys. Strength. Strength doesn't make any sense, oh, Sure it does. He had his neck, his head cut off. <laughs> he got reattached to his real body, yes. Okay, yeah. and that, the strength. real body took a beating. So my strength is going to drop to a one. As the commander of this ship, I would like to make it in order that Roku Solano has to do weight training every single day with Sunday's <laughs> off the rest. He often needs to be on a high-protein diet right, and really watch his macros. Lieutenant, Lieutenant yes. Laurent, put in a course for N1 at Warp Factor 6, engage and sabotage comes on in the speakers. <laughs> okay, I rolled an encounter. Let's see what we get. All right, you guys, you passed through a, a cloud, a gas cloud. You're, uh, you're not sure if your instruments are correct as far as you're heading. I, like, I'm, you had me at sex, robot. I don't know. Like, yeah, you want to go back to that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just that, was, silly. that was something uh, I talked about with John um, was just to like uh, to, to keep it so that it wasn't like um, uh, like that he was like a really mechanical like unattractive robot but it has, it has to be in the universe of Star Trek the original series where even the robots just look like you know movie stars you know what I'm saying I was like so here's how you just approach it John just go on to people say, hey, I'm a sex bot. And be like, <laughs> in line. Oh my gosh. It I, works. Yeah. I, why his strength at one, though? Oh my gosh. He started, I think, with like a three strength. Didn't really? he? Something like super oh, yeah. low. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, he was in the backpack all the time. That's right. <laughs> it was a five or something. It was still, yeah. Man, what a blow. Okay. Regardless, the Saladin found its bearings okay and safely arrived with its sex robot to the star system, Lucani New One. Lieutenant Jensen scanned the planets, Lieutenant McDonald scanned for alien ships, and Lieutenant Rocosolano scanned for communications. The Saladin established contact with Federation Colony One on the third planet, a Class M planet. You want to take the shuttle or you want to teleport? Yeah, how many shuttles do we have on this ship? And what are their names? Oh my god, Philip, we have so much work to do. Well, then then we should name the first one, I guess, uh, Grey Mag. To save the energy and also because we have a new shuttle and we want to feel sexy? I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe blow it up. I'm feeling lucky today. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god, why did you ruin my first mission? Oh. That's what I'm naming my shuttle. Feeling lucky. Feeling lucky. <laughs> but with an and an apostrophe? Yes. Does it have anything painted on it? It should have her portrait. Like It has uh, my legs, my thighs. Well, yeah, but like, it's just kind of like, it's kind of like, like this, you know, yeah. where she's sitting like, oh, you know, yeah. and her hair is all, and she has pointed ears, right? Yeah. yeah. But her, she's wearing her uniform, but you know, it's cheeky. Let's go. Uh, we are in orbit around the ship. We put, um, what's his butt in charge? No, you got it. We got to come up with someone new. McGillicuddy is forever tied with the Cody. Okay, yeah, I think thing. so too. Okay, we'll put some. We'll put. How about, how about Stella Artois? Oh, Stella Artois. Mm -hmm. That was that was just the beer I was drinking at the time. Okay. I was a just new like, there you go. Female hero. This is, why, uh, <laughs> this is strongly why, dear listeners, we need you to become Patreon members and name our shuttles and NPCs for us. Because this is what we come up with on our own, so we desperately <laughs> hey. need your help. <laughs> hey, feeling lucky is yeah, that's pretty fine. great. I think that's yeah. fair. We did well there, <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, I think we can use your help, dear listeners. <laughs> because so, we keep blowing up the shuttles, we need to keep naming some more. We'll keep blowing up as long as you keep naming them. Oh <laughs> we, yeah, we make you that solemn promise. All Regardless, right. the shuttlecraft feeling apostrophe lucky touches right. down on the planet. <laughs> Can't forget the apostrophe. No. They're like, we, we make all our decisions communally, so no one can speak for you. Don't speak for me. No, you don't speak for me. Um, huh. and, and, okay. and they're all just like kind of talking all at once. Okay, um, who talks on the, on the phone? Oh, uh, that was me. My name's Daryl. Hey, Daryl. Um, can you give us an update on what's been happening here, please? I sure can. There's, there's these miners from Planet Six. Mm -hmm. A shitload of those miners is due to land tomorrow. Each time they visit, they start fights and they cause trouble with our colony's women folk. Wait, Planet Six? Yeah, the sixth planet of the system. Is that the gas giant? No. No, the gas giant is Planet Seven. Okay, do you want them if to you have some drugs? You can give them to make them more sedate, like hmm. you got any women on your ship, you can give them permanent, like mm, anything no. like that. We're gonna pass on the relocate them from the system, arrest them, something. Okay, that's a lot of ideas. Thank you. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, excuse me. Oh, yeah, my name's Bo. Mm -hmm. We got more problems than those miners, that's not a big deal. We got some interesting readings out there in the jungle. We can't get to it. Okay. There's uh, dinosaurs and shit all over this planet. <laughs> Big old brontosauruses and tyrannosauruses, all kinds of crazy giant bugs. Okay. Anybody else got one for us that we can clean up while we're here? Yeah. Great. There's a bunch of rabble-rousers and cantankerous anti-technologists on this planet. They always, they are anti-technology. They want us to use just regular old hoes and picks and the like. You're calling a hoe. <laughs> uh, can we capture a dinosaur and keep it on our Yeah, ship? we're going to, well, ideally we will ride dinosaurs by the end of the evening. 
<laughs> I mean, listen, we could teleport it onto the ship, keep it in a holding container, and then on the next planet, if something goes down, we have a dinosaur, we can beam down to the planet. This is like, a deal lot. with that. Deal with the T-Rex. He's hungry. I'm going to contact the ship and see if they can get a reading of what's in the jungle for that weird reading. Um, there seems to be some sort of uh, a, a crashed alien ship deep in the equatorial jungles. I just, I'm, I love that idea of having dinosaurs aboard the ship. I just imagine like a dinosaur deck. It's so you know? good. The ultimate weapon. Just shooting out. Deck D. Don't, don't, go, don't stop on deck D. There's just like T-Rexes like <laughs> prowl. Deck D. Oh my god. I like the um what was it? Cantankerous anti-technologist. Uh-huh. <laughs> that might be a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm writing it down. <laughs> anti-technologist with like a guy riding a red dinosaur, right? Right. Yeah. He's gotta be like a, a hoe. Right. <laughs> Overalls. And no shirt on. <laughs> okay. Taking It's just so, always so funny. It's a thing in Star Trek too. There's so many planets where they're just like, we are against technology. We want to live like olden times. But like, you got there on a yeah. spaceship, dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's like a Highland thing, though. They, like, they yeah. would they would go colonize these planets and then be like in covered wagons and shit and doing, you know, like full on prairie, uh-huh. or like Little House in the Prairie, romanticizing the whole um, idea of taking up your roots and. Working your own land, right? And building I... your home from the ground up. And if your woman dies in childbirth, then you'll mourn forever as you go off on your spaceship and bone every other woman in the galaxy. <laughs> 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 anyway, sorry, that was a little. Uh, that, a little that got dark. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, giant we... dinosaurs. Yeah. So there are all these cool things. I thought the coolest thing was the, the crashed alien ship in the jungle. Um, and so I think you guys did too. You took off in the shuttle to check out those ruins. And then you were attacked by a swarm of giant pterodactyl-sized mosquitoes. Just roll down the window real quick and just take some pot shots at the pterodactyl mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> we found the crash site, but there was something down there. Ew. What the fuck is that thing? Well, what? It's an alien. That's nasty. It's What's a up? huge four-legged predator. This all yeah. comes up on Ava's screen. Oh, it's, shooting, it's shooting fog out of its gills. I'm gonna go like this. Ew, it has gills? I, I pull I pull yeah, back I up. We, we head right back up into space. Was it possible for me to you know, lean out the window and... <laughs> you shot it in uh, one of its furry spots. It just, like, a bunch of, like, black ooze comes out. Um, but this thing is huge. I mean, you basically did a, a scratch on it, Dave. Uh, it starts to shoot. It's, like, that big thing that's coming out of its maw. I'm not sharing it anymore. It's got yeah. that, like, long-ass tongue yeah. thing with, like with spikes on it. Prehensile tongue. And like, really? yeah, it's trying to like, it's trying to grab the the shuttle. Oh, do you, does Eric need to roll to escape it? Yeah, Eric, roll a dex check, bro. Oh, I make it. Okay, you guys get out of the way. 
This is all very cinematic. I think that was the highlight of the night was Dave leaning out the window with the gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the window <laughs> of the, the shuttle? <laughs> roll down the window of the shuttlecraft. <laughs> of course, it's us sort of like, yeah, it's a thing. Why not? 100%. It's right next to the bathroom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tapru decided maybe they had bigger fish to fry, so they went back to the ship and headed off to check out that miner, the miner's planet. John, can you hail him? Yeah, I will. Hello, miner planet. How are you doing? Come in. What is this? Who are you? <laughs> Fuck off. Oh. Are you Starfleet? Oh God. We don't want no belly Starfleet bugging into our business. Let me try to speak to them in their own language. Hey, y'all! What are you doing? You over? Oh, you got women. Send them down. Oh, wait. Send us the women. Let me do it in a low voice. What are you doing messing with all the broads on the other planet? Well, you want some ladies? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Red-blooded, red-blooded blokes like what we are. Nice soft bosom to lay my head. Listen, are you gonna beam down? We'll treat you nice. Commander McDonald, would you mind leading the away team to negotiate with these miners to not come mess with all the ladies on the planet? Sure. Lieutenant Jensen could probably, you know, crush these guys between her thighs. Yes, yes, said the thighs lady. <laughs> she could surely crush us. That would be a pity. I remember crying, laughing so hard from that, and I'm doing it again now. <laughs> the Cockney accents are just the best. Oh my god. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> you start singing My Fair Lady. <laughs> right. It's a little inspiration from Firefly there, but yeah, I think I wish we could just speak in that really offensive Cockney accent all the time. Uh, yeah, apologize to our apologies to all our Cockney uh, listeners out there. Oh, sincerest apologies. We are a real problem. We understand that <laughs> fully, fully. We so we invite you to make fun of our American accents and send in a clip. And we will play it on the podcast if you are a person whose accent we have demolished on this in our gameplay. Yeah, we're truly horrible human beings. <laughs> no, I saw bosom to lie, Ma. <laughs> so good. Anyway, McDonald, Laurent, and a red shirt played by John beam down to the planet. They decide what the miners need is a lesson in how to be smooth. You could walk up the wind. And then tell her, um, your clothes would look great crumpled up on a heap on my bedroom floor. <laughs> oh, all right, all right, all right. God. Great advice. Terrible. <laughs> okay. Well, we have to cut this short because there's so much incredible improv throughout this whole business. We got to move on. If you want the full audio, you can get it. This whole session, you guys, is gold. It's just hilarious. Listeners, if you have cheesy pickup lines, send them in 
and we will read them on our next podcast and we might do it in a terrible accent so there you go there was one more planet that we wanted to check out which is actually a moon of the class a gas giant and we decided to fly over the surface with the shuttle perhaps we could take uh my shuttle uh we call it the point star some shuttle suck some just blow up Oh, porn star! Oh my gosh! Is there a painting of you on it in a little uniform dress? <laughs> there is now. The gravity's light, and the world is home to some extraordinary floating gas bag creatures that can be hauntingly beautiful. There are outcrops of land, coral, and primitive plants, many of which hum and shimmer in the breeze. Yeah, take some pics and stuff, and then come back. We'll give that information to Starfleet with the, also the information we didn't get out because we'd been warned by locals that they were dangerous. The next day, the Seldon cruised off towards another star system and they immediately encountered a freighter. Freighter, please identify yourself. This is the uh, USS Saladin. Come in over. This is the, the Orion trader Bipfash. Oh, Do you have any women? Uh, say again, you want to buy some women? No, but we know that one of the minor mining colonies does. You might want to just head there instead. Wait, right? I feel like we're supporting slavery, guys. The colony that you're going to is under Starfleet protection, and they likely have nothing to trade with you. That's most unfortunate. Hey, do you guys know Join yeah. the Demented or Dax? What she said? No, we don't know all the Orions. <laughs> In the universe. I'm sorry. Ouch. Whoops. Well, the skeleton <laughs> scanned the Bitfash and learned that they did indeed have no weapons. The crew were still concerned about the potential danger that the Orions posed toward the Lucani New colonies. Oh, Dave, you're sure you don't want to shoot him? Just checking. <laughs> No, I, I think we'd be getting in trouble if we shot a uh, uh, unarmed freighter. Make racist remarks and then just shoot him down. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, they went on their way and soon made another encounter. It's a it's a friendly vessel. It's a it's a it's another Federation vessel. Over the Cody. Yeah, it's the Cody. The Cody. <laughs> We're totally not trailing you guys to make sure you're doing okay. It's me, McGillicuddy. We missed you, <laughs> Commander. Hey, you should go after that Orion ship that's going to the colony because it makes me feel nervous. Aye, aye. Awesome. You're on it, Lieutenant Commander. The next day, they had another encounter. Guys, it's a space amoeba. <gasps> oh, God. The crew sounded red alert and discussed options. Okay, Eric is going to get in the shuttle. John, you prepped a thing. Do we want to put the antimatter thing on the shuttle? And then hope he can get out? Yeah. Okay. Eric, you're comfortable doing that? You might lose your character. You realize that. That's going to end well. Oh, are you guys sacrificing Eric? <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how that was the plan A. Like, well, got to sacrifice okay. Eric. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. <laughs> you're out. Just... <laughs> This is a sacrifice. <laughs> All right. Eric, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye no, wait. No, wait. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh.
McDonald's sent a remote controlled probe into the space amoeba. All right, the probe goes in and uh, the lysosomes start digesting it. I'm directing it inwards towards the uh, nucleus. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm adding thrust to it to, uh, <laughs> to go deeper. It's penetrating deeper into the... <laughs> to the yeah. yeah. What's the discovery? Oh God. All right, when it's in this spot, it's not getting digested. Mm. Which way is it going now, Dave? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, take it through the mitochondria. Okay, the, the mitochondria are like flashing bodies and they're, they're like, I don't know, they're, they're obviously like an energy source yep. for, the, for the thing. I mean, couldn't we just, I don't know, tele, you know um, teleport in a bomb to its nucleus since we know where it is? That's I mean, why do we got to go into it? Okay, mm -hmm. it would take a lot of skill to try to like, uh, to, tra to transport it. I've got all the skill, what's up? People are going All right, John, roll on six dice to Ooh, try and, uh, and do an inch yeah. check. Well, after, after all that great role play and I think a great roll, you succeeded and he, he rolled spectacularly and boom, exploded the amoeba, saving the ship as well as the colony is obviously headed to devour. So they are. Oh yeah. Hold on. I, I'm reminded now of something from the episode that always cracks me up. There's so much innuendo. It's oh, just yeah. it's so crazy. They're they're always saying like, I'm applying a massive thrust. Maximum. They always thrust. talk about penetrating it. You have to penetrate Great it. force. <laughs> the area of penetration will no doubt be sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think David did a very good job of making a bunch of sex jokes. So, yeah. <laughs> way to go, Dave! No, was a, hey, was good a cool job, idea Dave. He, had. <laughs> he came up with a neat idea, and uh, they role played it out. And like I said, John rolled spectacularly, and so it worked. Dave's a really creative thinker. I think he thinks out of the box all the time. I like it. He's straight out of Star Trek. He's one, Dave. We love you. Anyway. We arrived at the next system, and we found the Nirvana colony. Captain, one of these planet planets two. has got some communications. Planet two. Okay. Is it like... That is a Class G planet, which is a desert world. Mm. So, very small amounts of water. Um, the communications you're picking up, John, are just like, uh, it's just music. What do you guys think? You want to beam down? Sure. Cool. It is. Should we put on funny hats just in case, or should we just be in uniform? I'm just gonna bring a beanie just in case. So, you have Andorians and stuff there. I just feel like I should bring a beanie just in case. You never know when you might need a beanie. I'm gonna tuck it in my bra. I'm gonna bring two beanies in case Ava needs one too, just so my bras aren't like isn't lopsided. Right. Actually, just standard procedure from now on, Philip. I always also have two beanies in my bra. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> All right, you guys see the landscape of bare red rock. There's uh, there's gorges and canyons, all um, all around you. Are the gorges uh, gorges? They're the the they're miles deep. They run for thousands and thousands of miles. Um, there's waterfalls and rivers fed by weather patterns that stay beneath the lips of the gorges. Each canyon 
as an environment filled with weird alien trees, odd grasses and flowering plants, massively high sloping cliff walls, um, you know, a number of flying species. Do you see the colony? Yeah, you guys see the colony. Um, it looks like basically, it looks like, I don't know, like it's just kind of like a lot of tents and like sort of just crude buildings and stuff. Um, the the natives are are like you know mostly shirtless and or you know just like scantily clad or like raggedly clad. Um, they're like playing musical instruments, making macrame. They're they're like some of them are growing organic food. So we're from the USS Saladin. We're checking in on you guys. What's going on here? What's this all about? Saladin, man, that sounds like like make like war and not love. <laughs> Oh, I can assure you, we are all about making love. <laughs> That's how crazy. can you assure us, man? I'm a sex uh, romance rolls for everyone. Get out your dice. Right. You're first. There are no rolls necessary over here, man. You want to get down and dirty? We're, we're game. Did you hear John go? I'm a sex robot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the crew the crew introduced to the colony's leader, Guru Manalaga, an Andorian. Why are you so why is everyone so slow energy? Oh man, what? No, it's just people are just chill around here. Jensen slyly used her tricorder to scan one of the guru's women. She found that the woman's life essence was less than normal, and when she scanned the guru, he had extra strong life essence. Hmm. Some of the crew, however, began acting strangely. This guy's like really hot and strong and really smart, I think. I think he knows what he's doing here. We should just go. This place totally checks out. Let's get out of here. Lieutenant Dupree, we should leave as well. I mean, he might be sucking energy and siphoning it from people, but they all seem to be happy. Here, can you you I have to go pee. Yeah. And then I'm going to walk around the corner and stand behind a rock and then I'm going to go. She's doing that thing where she's trying to control someone through a wall. Remember, it has to be through a wall. Well, unfortunately, she failed her attempt at remote telepathic mind control. Which is super rude, by the way, Philip. Sorry. Unmodify a life belt, um, the controller on the life belt. So that instead of, you know, making a, a life-sustaining shield around who's ever wearing it, it has the effect of, of blocking any any sort of mind control. Dave, you whip out a life iconic, belt. Uh, you whip out a life belt that you did not previously mention that you had. And like a screwdriver. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and while and you're under the influence of this guy and you think he's totally great, you're just also going to happen to modify it so it does something completely different. That's yeah, right. Also super awesome. Yeah, and and yeah, I, I developed a rapport from him from you know talking about the the Andorian's uh, uh, spiritual center, the 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 box, and and so yeah, you know, I I say well you know farewell. It's been nice knowing you, and I give him a hug, and I slap this on his back, you know, kind of like the old kick me uh, paper on on somebody's back. What were you saying, Sarah Nicole, about? Dave's ideas. They're, this is amazing. <laughs> amazing. Out of the box. I really do appreciate, Philip, you calling him out, though. 
of pure nonsense. But also I let it work. You know, it was yeah. just too fun to pass up. I, I appreciate all of it. I think we should be called out when we get a little wild, but I also like that you let it happen. Well, sometimes you go so deep down like one imagination scenario that like you don't want to get out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You just want that to somehow have worked. Plus, he totally, he's, he sold it, right? Yeah. He was, was like, yeah, I do it. I do it like this. We have a rapport. I, this is how I do it. <laughs> yeah. Bam. Convince me. Slap on, kick me sign. Perfect. I'm a sex robot. I'm <laughs> a sex robot. The crew explored and logged what all the rest of the planets in the system were like. And they took back off into space the next day. And guess what? Had an encounter. Or you, you come up, uh, you come up to another cloud. It's it, it resembles a, lo- a giant cloud of giant bubbles. Yeah, the Tapru began behaving in a most illogical manner. Shock. What shall we do to die today? In a minute or two, <laughs> two. A thing distinctly hard to say, but harder still to do. Will be the tattoo at twenty. What is that? Crew is behaving very strangely, you guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I called Dr. Triss and, and tell her to come to the bridge with a Vulcan-powered, you know, anesthetic hypospray. After a brief struggle, they sedated to Prue and proceeded to the next system. However, she was not the only one with her logic circuits awry. Okay. Ava, the computer reports that there are um, 600 planets in this system. Let's check them all. And, and, and Dave, the computer reports that uh, there are uh, Romulans and Klingons and Gorns and Tholians <laughs> all in the system. Oh, um, John, you, you get, uh, you get uh, no radio chatter from anything. The computer okay, reports well. that Roku Solano is the, is the commander of the ship. We leave it. We don't change it. <laughs> Only answer to Rocco Solano, who is the the appointed commander by Starfleet. Yep. Uh, right. Computer reports that the ship is now uh, under the uh, the Klingon Empire. Wait, what? All hail Klingon Captain Rocco Solano. The sex robot. <laughs> Right, so so to Prue and the computer have both gone haywire, the two most logical things on the ship. And it was basically up to the crew to, to, to figure out how they were going to reverse this. And, um, and I think uh, the rest of the session was just trying various different ways of doing that. And eventually they realized they just had to go back the way they came back through that cloud. It's like a cloud of bubbles or something or a silvery cloud. I forget. Oh yeah, a cloud of bubbles. giant bubbles. Yeah, and when they did that, everything was better. And I think it's more or less where we called in a night. With one more scene where we talked about, you know, McDonald, are you going to join um, our ship? And he was like, Yeah, I totally will. The yeah. end. <laughs> the end. We right. Hmm. Well, that was fun, and I honestly, I think we could have just foregone the the recap just posted the the audio of the session and let you guys enjoy it because some of the best stuff we had to cut just like all the um the pickup lines 
Oh my gosh, there were so many, and it went on for so long. <laughs> it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And it went on for so long. <laughs> Very fun. Really selling uh, it. The, the guys like the guys trying it, trying the lines back, you know, in the Cockney accent, and I think I think Prue was like trying to like say, "Oh, it's so working." <laughs> oh man, that was fun. That's good. I, I really enjoy the hazards of space stuff. I enjoy right. being out in there and I don't know, it takes some pressure off too because you know any encounter is going to be short. You know you're not going to ruin anything by actions you take and you can just be in the character and improv and then shoot back off into space. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of free. There, there's a lot of things going for it. It's so Star Trek-y. You know? All of a sudden like all these things from Star Trek are coming back people under mind control, but not just like, like just like a nitty uh, political aspect of it, but just, I don't know, it just has that sort of mystical quality that the show attains somehow. Obviously yeah, the amoebas in space and whatever. Yeah, go anything, ahead. Anything could happen. You could be on a, you can be on a planet that all the planets are different, right? So one has dinosaurs, one has Cockney guys, you know, right, right. right, right but anything could happen. So it's fun it's like totally like you're opening a present with every encounter what fun thing is going to happen and not impact the whole night like i know whatever we do in this 15 minutes of this encounter is not going to make us really mad in three hours that was so great in the first planet they were like here's three plots and you were like welp we'll do you know we'll try one of them and then we'll just move on because the other ones didn't sound very exciting yeah. And and it didn't matter, you know, right. just like we're just going to keep exploring. There's, um, I think, 15 or 16 sectors in this in this book. Each sector has, you know, five or six star systems, which each have, you know, up to nine planets, say. And all the planets are different types. Some of the planets have moons themselves. And they all have different ecology. And I, I think I read what, that whole description with the was it canyons or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was beautiful. You just gorgeous, like gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous. There's another planet where you just guys just flew over, and it was like an ocean planet, and it was beautiful. There were some sort of alien creatures on there, which seemed um, hazardous. <laughs> and you guys were just like, "Well, we'll just take note of it, and we'll report it back to, to Starfleet and uh, log it and move on." Because you didn't want to like really necessarily dick around with that. So that was, that was fun. Just it, it, it it's, um, it's fun to visualize these different kinds of planets where it's not just like every planet is like a spaceport and it's like, well, we land on the planet, we head to the cantina. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so much variety. Yeah. And you never know what's going to happen. Last time we played, we had the killer bamboo right, oh, on yeah. one planet that made us all crazy from the bamboo. And that was a fun That's scenario great. to play out. Hey, yeah. we have all these different things and different people get to be the star of different scenarios. You know, I, I find it really relaxing when we do the hazards of space. Relaxing in a good way. You yeah. just ease into the character, ease into the adventure. Your decisions don't carry as much. I mean, obviously they carry some weight, but not as much weight because you're not playing the major campaign or you're not going to fuck up the module experience for everybody. But as the commander, if I make a stupid decision... Right, it's not going to ruin the night for everybody, which can absolutely happen in when you're playing a campaign. 
anyway. Yeah. We did oh, so it's... much this session. I know a lot. It's... And this is, I don't feel like this is even all of it. No, well, Philip said at the beginning, like, okay, we're going to do 12 days. I'm looking at my notes. We did four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> four days and all this shit happened. And even more than you guys heard. Um, yeah, it's just right. jam-packed full of fun adventure waiting to happen. And I love it. Plus, we don't have that problem that our group has where we spend an hour to an uh, two hours planning what we're going to do before we set foot anywhere. Yeah. We just are like, oh, if I think about this hard enough, I'm going to make it perfect. <laughs> right? And we can't do that because here it's just like, you drive your shuttle in, there's a dinosaur. Oh, no. Shoot ah! it out the window. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bye. Right? See you later. <laughs> It's so great. I love the Hazards of Space. I know John really likes Hazards of Space too because yeah. he really enjoys the hex map and he enjoys calculating how much energy yeah. he the got ship a whole has. new fancy big ship this session. So you really right. love that. And as Philip, you've already stated this, but it absolutely helps us get to know the ship. It helps us get to know our role and it makes it feel more like we're playing a Starfleet crew. Because we start getting into a habit of every time we encounter a new planet or system, we're like, we're doing our jobs. Mm -hmm. So we all have our job to do of what we're going to roll for. And so everybody has to do that each time. And then you get in that habit where, aha, I'm a bridge officer and my job is to do this thing. That's fun. It's fun to know what you're supposed to do in this situation. It's like good practice. Well, you guys took the words right out of my mouth. I agree with all of it. I love uh, the... Should we back up? Do you want to... Eric, no. Can you cut all that out because Philip's gonna say it. Nope. <laughs> nope. You said it better than I could. I just, I, I do love it. I wouldn't want every session to be it, but you know, if you, I'm at the point where if I had only one product for my Star Trek game, it would be this the Lucani Drift, this this book which just has planet after planet after planet after planet, hex maps, and I think it's like maybe one page for a whole star system, maybe two or three if there's a lot going on. And so, of course, if you want to, you can flesh it out. You know, you can find some, um, you know, uh, schematics of um, spaceports and, and whatever and, and, uh, and make some of the planets a little bit more immersive. But I like playing it on this level, too, where it's just kind of, we just kind of uh, imagine it and just kind of wing it. I love the fast pace of it. I love that just freewheeling, you know, adventure feel. It's it's a good palate cleanser almost. Like if you've been playing a campaign for a long time and just want to do something different, or if you had a heavy campaign last time, it's just it feels light and easy. I feel like generally it's less prep for you, Phil. Is it? Yeah. Just I, I I can kind of read ahead and that helps a bit, but basically you, you fly to a planet. I'm like, okay. And I might maybe take 20 seconds to read a little section and then it's like, all right, I got it. Oh, yeah. It's great. So that's nice to you. So I think if you're a GM who, I don't know, like that week you didn't have time to prep a whole module. This is a fun thing to do with your players. If you have an existing ship or something like that too. Yeah. Yeah. You could even, when you do modules, you could place them on this map theoretically 
Mm. Um, a lot of the modules just we're playing them just as written and um, we don't adapt them too much and it's sort of like, well, the module didn't explain really where it was and didn't provide any maps, so we'll take some points off for that. But if you wanted to fix that aspect of it, you could just drop it into here. Might work. That's a really good idea. Well, guys, I, I don't think we're going to give it a warp factor score tonight. Because we already gave Hazards of Space a warp factor scale. That's what did just we give it? Oh, the average score? Or do you want to know who gave what? Uh, just for the yeah. The average, um, I give it an eight. And um, I think it was, Ava was here as well. Mm -hmm. um, I also gave it an eight. You gave it uh, an eight. Sarah Nicole gave it an 8.5. And John gave it a 10. So it averaged out at 8.6 which is one of the highest scores we've had. I think maybe the second highest. I think that's really fair. I would give it an eight right now if we were giving scores. I think this is really fun. And I think it's a really good tool for people to have if they're playing these modules, right? Or if they want to dip their toe in the Star Trek RPG world. I think just as you said, it's a good resource to have. It's a nice thing to have in your back pocket if you want just an easy night of really fun gameplay. We have not been disappointed when we've done a Hazards of Space campaign. And there's so much variety. Everybody has fun. Everybody has a moment to shine. I, I fully stand by that same score. I think that's fair. Ava, do you 100%. still feel the same way? Absolutely, yeah. I was thinking about what you guys are talking about, giving it a date again. That's funny. That's what I gave it last time. Um, yeah, it's just, it's not, wholesome is not the right word, but it's, it's just so nice. It's just a nice thing to have and to utilize. You'd be like, okay, we're just gonna fly around in space a little bit and it's gonna be so fun. And I yeah, love it. I think there's an ease to it. Yeah. And I hopefully you feel that as the game master as well, Philip. I think there's a yeah. lack of, um, cons not consequences, but uh, less stakes. Yeah, I which, think maybe what I was trying to get out earlier. It makes it not as epic. Well, we still have moments that are super epic. Like, True. I don't know. I can totally, just as we all stated earlier, cinematically, I see I see him leaning out of that roll-down window in the shuttle, <laughs> just rolling it down like the old car thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then with yeah. the thing out, right, I see the dinosaurs, I... I can see all those guys on the planet with the accent. Like, I don't know. It feels like I have moments that I'm almost visualizing easier. Yeah. Well, we should talk a bit like... about the space of me, but oh, go ahead, Ava. You finish up. I was just going to say, I feel like that's largely due to our outstanding role play. <laughs> um, <laughs> whereas, like, what I mean, I wouldn't give it a 10 as opposed to, like, uh, some module that's been building up with all this exciting stuff because we just kind of fly around and do our thing and it's awesome in our own way because we make it awesome yeah but I, I, yeah I, I do feel strongly that like not knowing that we're not gonna fuck anything up really helps yeah like we can Definitely. be a little silly and a little goofy and know that we can talk about sex robots and all this stuff and Great. not break anything almost yeah the world is kind of a, a freeing thing 
even in our improv, right? It frees us sure. to just exactly. take chances and do stuff we normally wouldn't because the stakes are too high. Philip, you want to talk about that amoeba? Yeah. Well, let me just finish up what we were talking about. Um, with a, I think if we play through all 15 sectors of this whole thing, and we're ready to give a warp factor score to this whole module, I think it'll be higher than an eight. But I think the sum of its parts is greater than the sum of its parts. And also I think, um, I think, I think there's stuff to be surprised by as the, as the campaign grows. I think we're basically still in the first sector or having those really low stakes just for fun um, adventures. But I think there's um, a lot of content to look forward to. So well, we'll that's we'll exciting. That is even cooler. We'll keep revisiting this throughout our campaign. And then at the end of it, we'll give it um, what it deserves. It's going to get a 10, you guys. Dear listeners, <laughs> go buy it, dear listeners. You're warned. Get you to eBay. You can already tell just from the two sessions we've gotten out of basically just one of the sectors, that it's, it's a lot of bang for your buck. You can get it, you can get it from drive through um, You can get a print on demand, hardcover is what I got. And it's just Ooh. gorgeous. Great work. Paul Kidd is an author that I read. Um, he wrote a novelization of White Plume Mountain for Dungeons and Dragons mm. um, around 1999, I recall. And um, I read that right before our D&D campaign, the, the big story Dendora's Box campaign. It influenced me in many ways because it was kind of like, let's go back to the dungeon, you know, Wizards of the Coast had just acquired TSR and they were kind of like, let's kind of um, reintroduce the basics and just be like, you know what? This is just fun. It doesn't have to be pretentious story time hour all the time. It can be, we're going on this gonzo dungeon and there's giant crabs in the water and what do you do? And that sort of stuff. So fun. Did a very, very hilarious and um, evocative book. So it was cool to see him back in the hobby. Well, I, now I gotta get, read that book immediately. If you can find it. Tell me its name again. Tell our listeners the name again. White Plume Mountain. So that's an adventure we played back in the day. Aaron actually ran it. Were you guys there for that? That's a great classic funhouse dungeon. And in the novelization, it kind of pokes fun at that. It has like an, an old guy that they, that they drag along. And he's like, well, we've got the 10 foot pole here. I got the iron spikes. And they're all just kind of like, what? What is this old school stuff? But then it all explains it. It's a really cool intro to Dungeons and Dragons. It looks like the, is there a fifth edition version? Oh, of the of the adventure, but yeah. not of the book. Okay. White Plume Mountain, the novel, I think might be hard to find. They have it on Kindle. It looks like. Oh. Paul Kidd. There you go, Paul Kidd. It's Amazon. It's telling me I can get it on Kindle. Yeah, everybody, hold on. Okay, we're shopping here. <laughs> but yeah, no, actually. I just I added to cart. Used copies starting at six ninety-two. Anyhow, um, the space amoeba. The space amoeba is from the Hazards of Space rules, not from this um, campaign setting book, Ilkani Drift. Mm. It's from um, Leonard Canterman's rule set. Just like we had the um, the clouds. The clouds are all from there as well. Or just the idea of rolling encounters, which again I love. The idea that like I rolled up um, the Orion ship that just got rolled up and it tied in so well to the story. And then I rolled up a friendly ship and it, we were like, 
and I rolled up a type of ship and it was a scout. And people were like, well, could it be the Cody? I was like, totally. I just like let myself be inspired by, by the situation and the idea that the Cody, your old ship was kind of around. And then you guys sent it off to, to make sure that the Orion ship didn't cause any trouble and it all just kind of neatly worked out. Yeah, I love it. Oh, very fun. Very the good. Space Amoeba, it provides like a hex map and where all the lysosomes are and where the nucleus is and what happens as it draws you in and, and all that stuff. It's just a really neat little scenario. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you guys solved it one way this time. I think um, my DM senses are telling me if you come up with a neat solution to solve something one time, that same neat solution isn't necessarily going to work the next time. So um, I look forward to seeing what happens when we run into more space amiibos. <laughs> Throw my bra at it. <laughs> with the beanies in it. Yep. Two of them. Cannon. Shoot. Cannon. Don't tell him. Don't tell him what we're going to do. <laughs> now he knows our plan. Oh my God. Noted. Cool. All right, guys. Let's call it a wrap. Ooh. We hope you guys enjoyed our review of absolutely nothing at all. Our, <laughs> our recap of a, a normal game session that we had and really enjoyed. And we hope you liked it, too. If you liked it, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or join our Patreon. It really helps us out. That was a spooky really ghost does. talking to you, apparently. <laughs> The ghost of the space amoeba. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We also want to hear from you, so visit our website www.rpgpopclub.com or email us at rpgpopclub at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought or if there's a module you would love for us to review. What module are we doing next week, Philip? We are doing a scenario called Lost and Presumed Dead. This was published in the Star Trek Three sourcebook update. So it's just kind of a sourcebook that they came out with after Star Trek Three, the movie, Search for Spot came out. And, you know, covers all the tech and, and whatever from the movie. And then they just add a bunch of other shit that they wanted to cover, like Gorns and stuff. There were no Gorns in that movie, <laughs> as I recall. It would have maybe cooler if there were. It would have been but, cool. Uh, but yeah, and then they threw in a module and they're like, hey, why not? Here's a module. So we'll you, play it. Has anybody reviewed it? What do people say about it? Anything? This has been reviewed. Um, well, the source book was reviewed in, in Space Gamer number 70, uh, but they didn't even mention the scenario. <gasps> they just get excited about all the, the spaceship stuff. Typical, typical, typical. <laughs> That's why we're here. Different Worlds number 39 also reviewed the source book and they said, and they, they spend most of it talking about all the spaceship stuff and they're very excited, uh, all the characters and stuff that the weapons that the thing covers. And they says at the end, topping it all off, the source book includes a short adventure, missing and presumed dead. So they got that wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> it takes place, it's lost and presumed dead, it takes place in the time of the Star Trek movies. This adventure is an indirect sequel to a TV episode the name of which would spoil the surprise. This, this module is a taut little adventure, perfect stuff for the paranoid player character. So there you go. 
something to look forward to. Hey, Ava, thank hey. you for thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here. I well, love we you very tell- much. I have an announcement. I'm going to be on every podcast now from here on out. So, oh, yeah, get ready. <laughs> New co co host is me. I guess I quit. Bye, guys. <laughs> Ava loves Star Trek, you guys. I do. I love Star Trek. I love talking about it. Ava, I love what are you on the podcast. What are you going to do when we start touching other pop culture fandoms? Because as our dear listeners know, we won't review Star Trek always. We're going to move sure. on and come back. There's too I mean, much Star Trek. I will I'll cry a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I do like other things, too, sometimes. So. Oh, phew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do really love Star Trek. It is my favorite, but... You know, I like pop culture in general, I guess, a little bit. So very excited to see what else we have to do. Hey. As long as we come back. Oh no, we always there's so much we're gonna we're gonna get well, all of it. And here's the best thing. Whenever someone publishes a new one, we'll have to come back. So we'll never truly be done. Besides, sure. we still have a million to do. But yes, we want to touch other pop culture fandoms. So dear listeners, if you have uh rpg in another pop culture fandom that you are super stoked about or passionate about or really want to hear reviewed Mm -hmm. uh, we would love to hear your input because we're starting to float some ideas of some things that we're going to move away from star trek just for a minute and come right back to star trek with also if you just want to hear star trek tell us that too um but we want to play other things as well so we want to review them for you right phil yes i just want to tell them one more thing that we, we do have to tell them what episode we're watching. Oh, I forgot. In, ca- in case they want to watch it with us. Even though the the review said, I'm not going to tell. I oh, will no. Tell He's going to spoil it. Wait, hold. Everybody, Phil is about to spoil it. So now's the time to pause the pod if you don't want your next uh, episode spoiled. How about that? Yeah. If you're ready for spoilers, here they come. If you don't want to listen to it, just go into a time warp. And set, set your time machine for 10 seconds in the future. All right, go. We're going to watch Operation Annihilate. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. That's the one with all those little, um, like, fried eggs that fly around and attach themselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My boss always talks about that episode. Every time I talk about, I mention Star Trek, he says, oh, yeah. And, and he brings up that episode. I don't it's know why. Random. We were playing Dungeons and Dragons with one of our groups, and I was like, yeah, like, the episode of Star Trek with fried eggs, and everybody was crickets. And I was like, my real group would know. (laughs) That's why they don't have a podcast. (laughs) Oh, but they're lovely people, and we're having a lot of fun. We're running Tomb of Annihilation, and Eric's doing a great job. Sweetness. Yeah. Go, Eric. Anyway. All right, guys. Love you, Eric. We love Eric and we love everybody that's listening to us. So thank you for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Yeah.